So uh, why don't we begin uh, with a word of prayer? Let us begin. My dear Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Lord, we know that in your name uh, you have made us who we are as your ch- children. Uh, bless us, O Lord, in the comfort of salvation, knowing that uh, by your grace we are saved. And in your name uh, you have rescued us. Bless us in your word this e- morning as we uh, continue to rest in Christ and, and who he is for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so last week uh, we concluded with uh, um, with uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. And there we see, uh, if we could just read it again, uh, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. All right, so, so again, as our little intro here, uh, hearing and drift. Um, now, I know we didn't really, I wanted to talk about it more last week, but we were cut short by time. But hearing, when we talk about hearing the word of God, this is not just any word, right? But, but the word of Christ. Uh, Luke 24, 44 to 47. You know when you like write things and you don't write them right? drives you bonkers. Anyways, um, write the wrong letter or write the wrong number. Anyways, Luke 24, 44 to 47, this is a repentance and forgiveness. Um, And um, again, this is what we ought to hear, right? It is not just about what Christ is, but what he has done for each and every one of us, right? To hear those words lest, lest we do what? We drift away. Now, do you, guys, do you guys see the tension of this in your life? That, that driftwood, you know, that driftwood, I think of driftwood in a sense of like on a water. I don't even know what driftwood, what, wait, what is driftwood? Is that like literally just drifting wood? Yeah. Or is it a type of wood? No. It's not a type of wood, right? Drifts. Or the river, or whatever, right? Uh, but when you, when you look at driftwood, um, what is it about that that's so, that's so dangerous? Uh, when you look at driftwood and you see it going down the stream, uh, what is the danger in a, in a sense of drifting away, in a sense of without God's word and just going down the stream? Uh, what is the danger, number one, for the Jewish Christians, their danger was what? To revert back to what they used to believe, right? Uh, and that in so many ways is so applicable to us in a sense of how easy it is. It might not be to what we used to believe, but what our nature desires to believe. Does that make sense? Like, I think for all of us, it's easy to go down the, the morality path of, of, uh, of resting on the consolation that well, I'm a, I'm a good person, I've done good, so therefore I am good with God. It's easy to kind of rest on that kind of platitude or on that driftwood. Um, but we very well know that at the end of the day, uh, it's all about Christ, right? It's all about what he has done. So therefore, when you live your life, friends, uh, and you hear the word of God like you did this morning or what you're about to hear in a little bit uh, in second service, um, and I know, I know uh, not to go back to Nancy again, but I will. 
uh, she talked about how we go out into the world and it's like we hear a lot of different things, right? And how those things are actually doing what to us? If, if we know it or not, it's an easy drift away from the word of God. Do, do you see that tension in your life? Do, do you see that or, or not? I guess you could raise your hand or not yeah. on either. Yeah, Carrie, Carrie's with a, a real yes. Good. You're like me then. Very good. Um, <laughs> everyone else is just perfect. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but for us, for all of us, that drifting away is very, is very easy. Yes. Busy and in every wave and wind of doctrine, right? Um, busy. Um, that. Oh, go ahead. Of the world, basically, in metaphor terms, right? Um, yeah. And uh, this drifting is real. And it, it might not be simply just drifting away from the word, but even drifting away to false teaching as well. Right? We're living in a, we talk about the stream, the world, how that world is starting to do what to the word of God? I mean, even in churches today, it's clear. I mean, it's not even like a hidden knowledge thing now. It's an out there thing. Like, we don't believe in the complete word of God, and we're going to go this way. Now, again, it's easy to drift away. So there's a lot of risk in terms of not just uh, simply uh, busyness or what we normally think of drifting, right, of all of our priorities, all that they have to, uh, but also every wind and wave of doctrine that starting to drift us away subtly from the word of God and his truth. So, uh, for, for, uh, so that's why it's so important to hear God's word in the sense of how we proceed um, in this life. Because that Satan, the drifting away, he's the one like, you know, uh, I think uh, I remember when I was little, uh, it always reminds me of me and, the, me and my brothers. Uh, we'd have a pool there um, in Sail Beach and um, we'd always go in the water together and we'd always make waves with our boogie boards, you know, in the water, in the pool, just to have some type of kind of... And, and I see that as kind of like the devil, right? He's always trying to make the waves so that you're shaking, you're going down that driftwood, you're drifting away from the words of Christ. And that's the constant. That's why the word is so important. Um, it's not just coming to church, but it's about why that word is so important for you, right? Again, it's our perception of the word, isn't it? Um, like... It's not just word that we do. It's not we come to church to do something for God, right? It's, it's not because we just have to do this by hearing the word. No, we hear the word because this is our center. This is who we are in a sense of the tension of every wave and wind of doctrine that is out there, right? And that is why we stick with the truth of God's word at the church, because that's all there is. Once that is gone, we're going along with the driftwood drifting away, and it's over, right? So there's a lot at stake with the word of God and simply, it's easy to say, oh, what's a big deal? It's a couple sentences in the Bible. We don't believe that anymore, right? Oh, what's the big deal? Oh, come on, pastor. You know, you got to loosen up a little, right? I know you've probably said that <laughs> in certain ways, shapes, or forms. But when it comes to Scripture, it's, 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 it's a non-debatable non, non thing. This is our truth because we know what is at stake. 
And that's why that drift away is real for the Jewish Christians, but also for, for each and every one of us uh, as we live our life um, in this dark world, as the dark is trying to always push us away from Christ and in him crucified, from the words of the gospel, right? Um, this is what it's all about. And that's why we do what we do time and time again. Because we know our sinful nature. We know the devil. We know the world. But yet when we hear the words of Christ, there we are back uh, to, to his name. So remember that, you guys. Uh, the next time you might tell yourself, you know, yeah, I'm not going to go to church this week. I'm good. Uh, just kind of see that tension there with the drift away. Um, because it's all in us, trust me, me and you both, drifting away very easy um, in our flesh. Um, all right, so uh, back to the handout here, verse 2, as we follow. Now, so we could read that for me, in, in the, uh, if you have your app or your Bible out. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, that's right. Cliffhanger. Right. You can read verse three. Sorry. All right. How can we escape if we ignore such great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. All right. We'll stop there. You could probably go one more, but we'll stop there. Uh, so, uh, for since the message declared by angels, again, this is uh, a reminder of Mount Sinai, about the cloud, about, the, you know, about God's presence, about the angels there as well, as we read in Deuteronomy 33 or Acts 7 in your notes right there, that this message of the law was given, right? The, the law uh, was given, delivered by the angels, and thus every transgression or disobedience receives a just uh, retribution. Um, the law shows us God, Moses, angels, Mount Sinai, Shows us the law. Now, this morning, as we heard in the sermon, uh, we very well know uh, Jesus shows us the, the great, through the law, shows us our, our sin, right? Um, how, 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 how concerning is sin? We sin so much, right? We don't want to sin. We strive to do what is good. We strive to do according to God and his word. But when we look at sin, do we grieve on our sin or do we just say, oh, well, no big deal? How do we deal with sin? I know we had that question and answers class about that. But when it comes to the law, as the law shows us, uh, given to us by the messengers, um, the law shows us our sin, right? The law shows us, when, when we say the law shows us our sin, what does that really mean? Is that, I know we always say that. SOS shows us our sin. But what does that really mean when it comes to the commandments, when it comes to the law? It points out how imperfect we, we really are. So in one sense, yes, we do grieve over our sins, but in another sense, we rejoice because we know that our sins are forgiven through Christ. Okay, so for the, for the Jewish Christians, their, their former life was all about what they, their works, right? So... You see what the author's doing here with the law, right? He is trying to unpeel or unpack that the law actually does show us our sin and the just retribution, 
retribution, retribution, uh, that's a, such a hard word to say, uh, that the law shows us what we ought to deserve for our sin, right? Now again, uh, for the Jewish Christians, this is what they need to see, that sin really is that, that separation from God through the fall. And when we talk about the fall to sin and the message that was given, uh, when we do not understand the, de- the complete depravity of our sin, if we don't understand that, then what happens to the law? If, if Don says, of all people, oh, you know, like... <laughs> You know, sin? I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, the world does it. I'm a good person. What's the big deal about my sin? I mean, 90% of the time, you know, I'm a good person, right? So what's, what's the deal with 10%? Now, again, in that conversation, hypothetical Don, of course. Hypothetical Don. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, what is he really going through right there when he's going through that, that kind of juggling of his own conscience? What is really happening there with sin and the law and our view of the law? What's really happening there with Don? Rationalizing. Rationalizing and almost giving us permission, permission to say, oh, this isn't, I mean, it could be worse. Have you seen the news lately, Don? I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff happening there. I mean, I might do a few little sins here and there, but, I mean, it's not as bad as what we see on the news. Now, again, um, there you're rationalizing hypothetical Don, and, and hypothetical Don would, um, and I think, I think even if it's not hypothetical for any of us, right, it's easy to kind of go down that path, is that we fail to see the true, the true force of the law and what that really brings to the table. We make excuses, we make, uh, uh, what is, we make justifications uh, when we don't see the law for what it is. And I say that because for the Jewish Christians, that was their thing, right? They could actually abide and fulfill the law. And the fact is, we cannot. We see in verse 3 right here, verse 3, uh, how shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? Now, if we do not have the right view of the law, is there escape? If my, I think my salvation is based on my morality or how, how, how good Mary Beck is, um, then I can actually find a route, a route. Is it route or route? I go by route. Is it route? I know, I know. Because route is like root canal, you know? You don't want to think of root canals. I've had a couple of those, but uh, you, you want to think of route, right? Uh, <laughs> and a crown and an implant. All of my teeth. Wow. Trifecta. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we see right here. Trust me, my dental insurance is always used up every year because this thing right here. Everyone else is good except me and my family. Uh, but uh, teeth-wise. Teeth-wise. <laughs> but if we rationalize the law as something that we can, if we moralize our faith, then we tell ourselves we can find that escape ourselves. Right? For the Jewish Christians, it says right here in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such salvation? Right? Um, What the writer is saying here is that there is no other way. 
but only Christ. Right? This is, this is your salvation. It is the gospel. Because when we neglect salvation, there is no escape. Now, again, without Christ, for the Jewish Christians, and even for all of us, if we do not see the law for what it is, we will tell ourselves there is a loophole. I can't, Tina can do it. Right? She can do it. Because she is a good person. She aspires to do good, and that must amount to something in front of God. And that must save her because she's, she's a good person, right? Um, and again, that's the escape that people have uh, when it comes to believing in their works to save themselves, right? You know, the angels are simply messengers, and they're giving the law, but they're not the ones that could save them. It's only Christ, right? Um, we see the law for what it is, and we're not changing the law based on our own human ideas or condition, but rather by that very law written on our hearts, there is no other way. The law shows us our sin, but also points us to only Christ. Very important. For the Jewish Christians, very, for us today, very important. Because, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, when you come to church and hear God's word, you might tell yourself, oh, I've already heard that already. But when you look at your sin, let's say, yeah, I've already heard it already, but actually I need to hear it again. And then again. And then again, right? Oh, that's, oh, again, okay. All right, Jesus, all right. But if you see the law for what it is, as it shows us our sin, for what our sin really brings to the table, there is no eye rolling where we say, okay, all right, I know that. No, this is that very word that, 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 that delivers you that very word of the gospel and the forgiveness of sins, and that's the word we need to hear, right? Once we start kind of marginalizing sin for, oh, it's not so bad, we could kind of juggle it around. You know, if I put it here and there, and you know, in the whole picture, it's not so bad. Well, I guess I'm good with God. Uh, then the, the law really does... We're just trying to rewire that law to suit our own conscience in a sense of, yeah, I'm not so bad. I'm probably good with God, so I measure up, right? Yeah, Marjorie, yeah. I was just going to say that um, just like in the um, service this morning when Christ mentioned about the millstone, the law to me was kind of that same kind of millstone to the, to the Jews because there were so many laws. There was no way that any yep. Jew Over. could ever live up to that. And then with the um, analogy that you were using with the driftwood, I think of the, the situations where you're uh, confronted as being kind of like rapids and whirlpools and that that's really what the devil wants is for you to get so... Uh, caught in a whirlpool that you, you don't see where you're going. You don't know which is up and which is down and you're so confused that you don't know what's true and what's not true. Yeah, it's... Have you ever been... Has anyone in their, in their life been uh, wild river rafting? Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. In Colorado? Anyone in Colorado? Oh, 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 oh okay. We... <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right, me too. Because the other one was too... Too tall, too many, um, too many, the water was too high, too dangerous. But when you're in that water, you're, all you're thinking about is what? Uh, survival. <laughs> and you're drifting down this river with rocks. You know, it's not just a, it's not just a, a lazy river at like wild rivers or like at, 
Is that still open? Raging Waters? I don't know if they're... It's not like the Lazy River. It's full on like, you know, you're going down and they're saying like you sign a waiver that says, uh, if you get hurt or die, it's not on us. And you're like signing it, like thinking about your kids the whole time. Like, oh, all right. I was going with my brother in Colorado one time, uh, but that was fun. I'm still here. So anyways, but the point is, is that that's kind of how that driftwood is. It's like, we're so caught up that we, in that moment, we, we really fail to forget what is really at hand here. And uh, I think for the law, as we look at it, friends, um, we cannot escape it. And even for Christians, you know, trust me, there, there are many teachings that really focus in on this, like, stage. Stages of spiritual maturity or stages of being a better disciple. And all that is at the end of the day is your way, by the law, to provide your route to be a child of God. At the end of the day, that's what it is. And because we depend on ourselves in that, right? Um, and, and this is always the tension, of when we see the law for what it is, there is no other way. No other way. Yes? Were the Jewish people at this time still sacrificing? Um, I, that's a good question. I, I, because I, I was just wondering if they were, and then Paul would be telling them Jesus is the sacrifice, and so there's no longer you know, sin offering. Because the, food, the food was a big deal still, too. The food laws, even with Peter in the book of Acts. Yeah. You had to take a life and pour out the blood. Yeah. And that's supposed to keep the Jewish people's eyes open to the severity of the law. But so that's what I wonder, were they still doing that? Yeah, I mean I'm imagining I'm imagining so. I I mean not necessarily I don't know these Jewish Christians personally, but in the time of what they were seeing, maybe they were or some people they knew were still doing that. But again, the, the Old Testament sacrifice for us Christians is what? The fulfillment is Christ as the Lamb of God. That was just kind of like a foretelling of what was to come, right? So when Jesus died on the cross as a Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world, uh, we very well know that that's it, right? Yes. Knowing that Christ was the fulfillment of all, that would be kind of difficult, actually, for a Jewish person. I think Jewish people in general, but also even our own human nature. I mean, I mean, like even us, too. Our own human nature does what? We hear God's word, but then human nature kicks in by Tuesday or No, by Sunday afternoon. <laughs> well, what am I joking myself, right? By Sunday afternoon, we're like, okay, wait, wait. What is happening here, right? Like, I was just at church hearing God's word, and now I'm, like, still struggling with my old man, my own sinful nature. Like, I mean, for the Jewish Christian, but also for us in our former self, how that always is that tension. But again, good point. Um, that was a source of contention for them, a source of great temptation to go back to fulfill the law by doing these things. But yet, what they failed to see is Christ once and for all the lamp the true Passover lamb, right? Um, and also the food laws. They would clean, unclean, all these things they would try to follow. And again, that was all law for escape and for salvation. Now, that is the great, uh, that is the great uh, 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 deception when, in fact, our true escape is only Christ who came to this world to die for us. And again, I want you to see that in yourself. You might not be Jewish Christian, but you are human, and 
you see the tension in so many different ways of how we view our faith. At the end of the day, as, you always, as I always tell you, my goal is for you, for you as a pastor, is only Christ when you take your last breath. Only Christ. Right? That, that's, that's our goal in life as a church, is to preach to you constantly. There's no other way, only Christ. Right? Salvation, your rescue is Jesus. If it's the law, then you're going to be left with so many question marks, wondering if you've done enough. And the answer is Jesus has done everything for you. And that's the message you hear time and time again, every Sunday after Sunday, so that at the end of the day, there you will be smiling in peace, maybe in physical pain of all the suffering in this world, but yet, like Paul, content in all circumstances. In the, in the very... Yeah, ideally, who would? Yeah, so... That's right. Because we can be fooled. That no one is immune. You know, trust me. And I say that of all people. No one, no one is immune uh, to the foolishness of man and the deceptive wisdom of Satan himself. Because he is, he knows, like, he's like more of an engineer than Don. I mean, <laughs> I mean that says a lot. So uh, he knows how to... Um, rewire and, and replug, and he knows every angle the devil does. So anyways, uh, we see right here in our notes, uh, um, yeah, with transgression, how could anyone neglect the gift of the gospel? What is great salvation? It is the foundation of Jesus Christ and his work. Therefore, if we neglect the work of Christ, there is no escape on account of our sins. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. The apostles were those who heard. Okay, so those are the ones who heard these very words. As God would bear witness through signs and wonders and various miracles, and these signs will accompany those who believe um, in my name. They will cast out demons, and that's a reference to Mark 16, 17 to 18. Again, it's all about the word. Neglecting the gospel for the sake of the law was the constant tension for the Jews for the Jewish Christians, right? Because the law is like easy, right? It's like, not easy, sorry. But the law is very tangible. Like Jennifer, like she could, okay, I, uh, I, I just need to pass a test. Oh, she's a teacher, so that's a good, um, I mean, she doesn't pass a test, but she gives tests. <laughs> I wonder what it is as a teacher to correct tests. I always find that very unnerving as a, like you hope that they do good, but you can't, <laughs> You can't just be nice to them on the test, but you hope that it plugged in. Uh, anyways, uh, but what was the question? I forgot. Uh, yeah, it, it's about passing the test. And, and when we talk about uh, this right here, uh, when we neglect the gospel for the sake of the law, we tell ourselves, okay, I could pass this test. But yet at the same time, Christ is nowhere in that sentence. Um, and, and that is the danger here. All right. So, um, continue on here. Oh, go ahead. I'm confused. Okay. I played hockey all this morning. And trust me, I use the Lord's name in vain too many times to, to say. Earmuffs. Anyways, <laughs> so, but I know, like, when I get off the ice, that it's what Jesus has done for me. Okay, so I'm not... I don't want to use the Lord's name when I'm playing, but hey, it, it happens. But I'm not going, I've, I've never gone out and 
sacrifice a squirrel or something to for my soul salvation. Sure. So, like if I use the Lord's name in vain, I don't want to, and I try not to, but I'm not going to go get all bundled up about it. You know, because I know that my, my soul's dependent on what Christ has done for me. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think the point is, is that when we talk about our sin, it's we do we do have that grief for our for what we have done. You wouldn't have brought it up if you didn't have grief about it. Like you wouldn't have brought it up if you weren't aware of right. what you were doing or what we all do in our sin, right? right. But because the law is written on our hearts, uh-huh. and because we know that we cannot save ourselves. Uh, there we repent, and only it is Christ who saves us, right? So, though we, though we very well know that this is a sin, and we strive to do better, we, we pray to God and the Holy Spirit that he would turn our hearts to overcome right. our sinful works as we proceed in God's word. We always pray that in repentance, right? Lord, help me. Lord, help me overcome my sin and lead a, a faithful life. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's that law that shows you that with the words that come out of your mouth, there you are in realization that you fell short in sin, but there in that sin, it points you to Christ. Now, do we, do we have a license to sin, right? Is it, and St. Paul would say, as I told Abe at dinner yesterday, meganoito, right? Of course. Oh, sorry. I mean, <laughs> I said meganoito, which means of course not, right? And uh, that means that we don't have a license to sin just because Jesus Christ died for us. We take up the cross and follow him, right? We have our struggles. We have our tensions and temptations. But yet when we do fall, we repent. It doesn't mean that we say, okay, I'm going to rob a bank. Where's Ruth? And um, we're going to get forgiveness of that. No, we, daily we, uh, it might be with our words. It might be with our thoughts. It might be with our deeds. But daily we are living uh, in, in our flesh and, and all the temptations that are there. So uh, I think the point is, Tom, is that, Yes, we, we are grieved for what we do. And as sinners, trust me, I think at times we don't even know that we're sinning. Does that, does that compute with you guys? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, we, like, that's the thing. If we had to enumerate all of our sins, give me like the world's biggest binder because I'm, I don't, <laughs> I mean, to enumerate all of them in every single moment, uh, but yet, as we see the law, we very well know that, boom, written on my heart, transgress against God's Lord, trespass against his word, and there I repent and trust in his promise of Jesus Christ, right? The other person, let's say, would do all these things in life and not have any sorrow for them. They would live as they please based on their own rules, based on their own laws, and be fine without any type of this is against God's law, the call to repent. There's nothing of that. It's just living like driftwood wherever that stream takes them. So there is a difference, right? Um, hopefully, you know what I'm... You see that difference now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think very important, though, that the law is also good in a sense where it does show us how to love and serve neighbor, right? At the end of the day, it does show us our sin, but also it shows us how we ought to love and serve neighbor in the name of God. Not to get there or to provide our escape to save ourselves, but rather to show us how we ought to love our neighbor. Um, so anyways, uh, that's, that's a good question, Tom. Thank you. Um, 
Okay, so as we continue here, uh, verses 5 to 8. 5 to 8. So could you read that for me? It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You make him a little lower than the angels, you crown him with glory and honor, and put everything under his feet. All right. So from angels to messengers to now the Son of Man, this messianic psalm, as we'd call it, Psalm chapter 8. And um, what is it about, what, you, what, what, when you read those words, what's something that points out, like, wait, what? Really? Is that true? What is one thing that you kind of see there in verse um, 5 to 8 that kind of, Makes you think a little bit for a second. Anything? Or is it just perfectly clear? What is the that you are mindful of him? When you stop and think about what that really means. That's right. So that, that gets us back to the grace of God, right? Um, but God treasures us. He loves us. He put us a little more than angels. Isn't, isn't he talking about... Well, here he's talking about Christ. Okay. So... And you brought up a good point about lower than angels. Now, here we see Jesus being superior over the angels, right? In the, the first couple chapters, we've, we see the writer just pounding that home time and time again. But now he's saying what? That you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. What does it mean that he was little for a little time made lower than the angels. Angels are created beings, right? So when we talk about Jesus being lower than angels, how do we reconcile that? Well, that's when he became human for us. Yes. So um, when he became human for us, we call that the other H word, when you like trip over a... Humiliation, right? My kids are always telling me to watch my step because I'm the ultimate, I trip over everything. <laughs> it's not even embarrassing anymore. That's, that's the thing, I just like, fall over. I'm like, ah, all right. But it's humiliation, right? Uh, what, is, what is Christ's humiliation? Um, and this is, goes back to the catechism uh, back in the day for some of you. But what is, and we, and we see that in our uh, notes here, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. So his humiliation began with, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the virgin birth, conceived he was into the flesh. Now, this is the mystery that I always, I think till the end of time, will always grapple over is God is God. Jesus is God. But yet for a time, he, he set that aside, though he is fully God, to take upon this flesh as God <laughs> to be the Savior of the world, lowering himself in this utter... Think about how mindful God is for you. That he would send his son, who is true God, to take upon... 
this, right? Like, the take upon this. I mean, that's how mindful our Lord is for each and every one of you that He would send His Son to suffer the greatest humiliation of whatever we could fathom. This is the ultimate humiliation that God, in all of His work as the powerful and one true God, would actually take upon the flesh. Uh, even to be lower in a little time, and that is his time on earth, uh, uh, to be the savior of the world. That is the mindfulness of God for you. Now, I get it. A lot of people have a lot of things against God when things aren't happening the way something tragic. And, and that's, that's a great... It's, it's difficult, right, to say the least. Any tragedy, any loss, any struggle, it's difficult. We're never going to just say, oh, just get out. No, it's difficult, right? But when we talk about that point where someone asks, let's say a hypothetical Tina would ask, um, if God was so good, why, why would this happen? And there you as a Christian would go to the mindfulness of God right here in this text and say, this is what God has done. And, and, and the length to which he saves us and rescues us from our sin is here in his own humiliation that is taking upon the flesh for you. Not just for some people, but for all people Jesus died for, right? Uh, not, he just didn't die for some people like... Okay, Tom, we'll die for you. Ah, Mary, ah, Ryan, Mary, we'll die. He died for everyone, right? And, and this is the radical, profound, against all that the Jewish Christians were kind of swaying back and forth with works and the law and, and what this is all about. This is who their God is, and this is what he does, uh, taken upon this flesh for you. And what a, what a great mindful, gracious, and all-loving, merciful God we have, that even in the midst of suffering, He suffers upon, the greatest suffering upon the cross for you. And this is all part of the humiliation for you. Think about that. And I want you to really always remember who your Lord is, because there at the cross, this is who your Lord is uh, for you. And that is above all things in terms of who you are as a child of God. And that's why we preach what we do, because it's all about Jesus. And <laughs> or a motorcycle. Oh, he does. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. He might. <laughs> but uh, uh, but does that? Do you guys understand the humiliation of Christ? I mean. I don't think we can just understand it in a nutshell like that because to understand the, 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 the depth of God's love for us in his humiliation is, is something that um, uh, lower than angels uh, created, created beings they were, but Jesus as God coming down to the flesh. Uh, that is the measure to which God loves you and who, who, who gives you that um, identity that you are a child of God. Uh, this, is, this is the measure. His humiliation. So this is what the author is really pointing at here. Um, yes? Go ahead. Some Middle Eastern religions feel that, that that's one of their stumbling blocks against Jesus because they don't think that God would stoop to that level. God wouldn't do that. Sure. But of course they don't understand that 
create love for us that he would. And it goes against their reasoning or oh, how, how could God do that or why would God do that? Yeah. So and so God didn't do that. That that Jesus was not part of God. Well even the Romans, right? When Jesus was on the cross, it was just like this is God? God on a cross? I mean, that's the most humiliating thing in the world. Why would God ever subject himself to this death? It just... Come down and prove it, but he stayed on the cross to prove, but it's so, like, weird for people to think that. It's radical. In a way. It's yeah, it's... To put your mind it. it is. You're right. You're right. Um, I fully understand what you're saying about the, the level to which... God was willing to lower himself by becoming human. But when you're using it in that instance where the person that you're having a discussion with says, but if God was so good and so loving and da-da-da-da, why does he allow all of this? And maybe that's a class that we need to have more discussion on because it's it's difficult to have that be your response to somebody. It, it, it almost sounds like, well, you weren't really listening to my question. So I would love to have us discuss that more in depth at some point in time. I, I think we had a class. I think we did. We did. I Check. Hear yeah, hear it again. <laughs> hear it again. Uh, but no, I think, I know, I, know, I know what you're saying, Marjorie, and I, I completely agree with you. But I think in the back of your mind as you're talking to them, you really get back to the goodness of God and what that goodness is. Um, original sin, but again, unless they believe right, that, it helps me to, that response helps me, right, but it might not help them understand a person who does not have a clear understanding. And it takes time. Thanks for listening. It takes to time for that to unfold. So this is not just like Faith a Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. All right, I told you. For so. more information, visit us done, on the right? web no, it's, it's at a, Faith It's Moore a time Park. where you continue to talk with them and, and continue to care for them so many different ways of course uh, but uh, but yeah so I think at the end of the day at the end of the day at the end of the day when we talk about uh, Jesus's humiliation um, this is who your Jesus is and this humiliation should show you how much he loves you because this love that he shows us is is bar none the unique love that no other the king of love my shepherd is right um, my funeral hymn and uh, this is I know that was morbid for a second, but uh, that's the truth. That's my funeral hymn. Uh, because it's all about the love of Christ. And it's all about what he has done for us in his humiliation. This is the measure he took. So remember that this day. I know we're late. I know we'll, we'll continue on with this handout. Uh, and read that Philippians 2, chapter, uh, verses 5 to 8 on your notes at the bottom. Uh, there we see that picture of our key, our key verse about Christ's humiliation and what that looks like. Please read that uh, for next week. Uh, but yeah, why don't we close uh, with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Our dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Lord, bless us uh, in, in your measure, knowing that, uh, we, that neglecting your salvation uh, has, has no result. Thank you, O oh Lord, for your salvation, that you paid the purchase price for our sin through your son's body and blood on the cross. We thank you, O oh Lord, for this word and Though we face a world that drifts, Lord, may your word continue to be uh, the anchor to our soul. For all these things, we're thankful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a good week, everyone.